What's up, Jimbo? Good uh, morning, afternoon, Josh. Hey, I mean, sure. We'll, we'll go with either. It depends. It depends on when somebody's listening. So, probably we just right. say good no, morning. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I like to think that um, people start their day listening to our voices. <laughs> I would like so. to think that too. <laughs> the, the numbers do not bear that out, but that's it's a nice thing to think. <laughs> You know, I mean, why, but why not, right? You know, it's like, how do, how am I going to get going in the morning? Ah, get my dose of Jim and Josh. Yes, indeed. And they're navel-gazing. Well, um, I know this. I know this, that if if we did have anyone in law enforcement who had listened to our previous podcast and um, the, the they were ready to swoop down as vice, on the gig that I was uh, supposed to play for New Year's Eve, uh, they were they were sadly um, um, turned away because I I ended up having a bit of a crisis of conscience and deciding that it probably wasn't the best idea to do that. And so uh, thanks to some um, gentle uh, conscious conscience tickling, um, I ended up saying bowing out for that for that evening. Jiminy Cricket got on your shoulder and whispered in your ear. So the Jimbo. Jimbo Cricket, yes, indeed. And in this case, Jimbo Cricket made me think about some things that, you know, it just reminded me about the, um, I remember in May when there were a bunch of um, spring breakers who went and, you know, there was um, a bit of a breakout and pretty much universally the entire world um, was like, I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe they're so selfish. You know, it's so obvious that no one should be doing this. And then it's hard to feel that way and then reflect on the fact that that was kind of like exactly what I would have been contributing to, whether or not I would have gotten sick or gotten one of my loved ones sick. Um, it was definitely a, an inappropriate event for the time. Yeah. And I mean, even if no one at the event spreads any disease, it's not, it, it's something that, you know, I mean, if you don't, and I, by the way, I didn't mean to lay the guilt on you or, uh, but I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that some bit of conscious, you know, I was able to act as some bit of conscious. That's what friends do for each other. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, the way I see it, for as much as we, I, who doesn't want to do the sort of normal fun things that we would do if there wasn't this going on? Nobody. Oh yeah. No. Well, I mean, there, there's probably a few. Um, you know, what, what do you call people that like to, you know, not just hermits, but people that are antisocial. Uh, misanthropes. There's probably yeah. There's a, probably a few misanthropes out there that are like things are better now. Uh, but for the most part, every we man mankind, a person kind is social and wants to do social things. But whether or not it's appropriate, I I, I think it goes. Uh, I think I've said uh, for that I'm glad that that was the decision that was made. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, I know I it's a bummer. It, I, I know it's a bummer, and I, I hope it doesn't affect any. Negative, you know, create any negative relationships with your your bandmates or what have you. No, no, no. I, I believe that. Well, it, it ended up that the drummer also stepped out, and we did not play. The lady who was in charge, who is in charge, ended up going to the event anyway, as it was kind of for her chums, and she ended up um, DJing a set, and she has all the DJ equipment and all that sort of thing. So, so right. I, I mean, I think yeah, it was fun. yeah. That I'm, they all, I'm sure they all had a good time. I hope they all remain healthy. Um, and chances are, you know, I mean, I don't even know what the chances are anymore. But let, let's let's think positive because I know that in some parts of California, I read a headline today that one in five Los Angeles is who's being tested is testing positive. 
that doesn't mean 20% of the population is positive. That just is, but it is indicative of how widespread it is down there. Um, right. And, and we're so, we're so darn close, you know, even though arguably the vaccine rollout is not going as well as anyone uh, with a degree, you know, a smidgen of humanity wanted to, um, it's, we're still close. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, yeah, and next, next New Year's can be killer and we can get back to doing the things that we planned on doing. Right. Yeah, that we yeah. wanted to do. What, what, had you made any plans this year that ended up going? I know that we've talked in the past about your desire to just drive, but other than that, were there any other, um, right. Well, that, by the way, that was not, that was not my plan on, on, uh, December 31st, 2019. Right. Was like, I'm going to go for a drive, right? It was a dream um, that did come true during 2020, though. Right, it was. It was, in <laughs> fact. Uh, yeah, I should add that to my list, you know, that I forgot to put that on my list. We'll get to that part of the list. But, um, yeah, no, there are, you know, there, there are, this, it's funny how the, there are uh, resolutions that ones make, and then there's mm-hmm. just plans that you make. And I don't think they're the same thing, uh, because resolutions have typically to do more with self-improvement and, like, attending an event is not a resolution. It's just a plan. Right. So, right, right. Uh, yeah, so there, I mean, so, but, you know, kind of lumping them all in the same things that I expected to do or thought were going to happen that did not happen. I, I started thinking about it. Um, and, and it runs the gamut. Like, for example, uh, I thought I was going to get in better shape. I know that's kind of a typical resolution, but um, I do know because I was, I had started a job with the state of California and my, my, my job was I was commuting. So that was another one. I thought I was going to become a commuter. I thought I was going to join the ranks of the ant, little ants marching. Um, and I did that for all of six weeks. But, wow. um, yeah, but you can look, you know, I keep, I, there's a pedometer that's on my phone. And you can see how in January and February and the first part of March, my average steps a day was over six miles. All told, between the exercise I do early in the morning walking from my car to the bar platform and back and then walking from the bar platform to my office and back and so much walking that was involved. And then of course, having to pack a lunch, meaning not having, you know, a a 15 step access to a stocked refrigerator. Um, I, I had actually lost nearly 10 pounds in, in that two month period, January, February between the extra activity physical and then the less uh snacking so i thought that was going to happen uh and it, it and and i would even argue that then for you know basically starting april to the early part of summer i was actually keeping it up and doing pretty well at trying to say you know involve myself with some form of focus and self-improvement but by summertime i think the um the weight of the pandemic started to no pun intended weight started to bear down on me and I got lazy. Right. Um, yeah, we had a, we had a, a plan on attending two weddings that were in other parts of the country. So one in Tampa and one in uh, Ohio, uh, Ohio, Southern Ohio. And so I was been looking forward to those. Neither of those happened. And then as part of the Ohio one, I was going to, I have family that lives there. I was planning on reaching out to them and spending a day to meet up with family. Um, I thought I was going to be socializing with old friends who live in San Francisco. Like I'd be able to go out to lunch with them and, and mm-hmm. that obviously never happened. 
um, you know, other other things. I I thought I was going to become a better dresser. Like, you know, because okay. I have an office job. <laughs> I thought I was going right, to get right. more, like, business casual clothes and, and be kind of stylish, uh, and w- which, you know, quickly just turned into shorts and sweats and DJs. Uh, and, um, and frankly, I thought I was going to flex my creative muscles more, which sounds stupid. Like, I, you would think I'd have more time now, but it's just not how it worked. I had so much downtime in my job that I could just, sitting at the computer in my cubicle, I would have to occupy myself my time doing something other than work. Uh, and since I didn't have a TV or or chores to do, I would engage whether it was reading or writing. Well, that was my plan, and um, that didn't happen. So how about yeah, you? you know, uh, well, you know, that's very interesting that you say that because I think it was um, Neil Brennan who I heard say this, and it was fairly early on in the um, – during the pandemic, of course. But he was saying that um, no one he knows is being creative during this time. That that you would think that people would that given this period of time, especially it, not just uh, people who wanted to supplement their lives with creativity, as you were describing, but even the people that he knows whose you know bread and butter is creativity. He didn't know anyone who was actually taking this time to write new shows, write new material, or do anything like that. And that that and I think it also speaks to what you were saying, which also rings true to me with regard to exercise and working out. If I were to look at the amount of time that I had, other than the fact that the gym was closed, I don't really have an excuse for not having worked out or not having gotten into better shape during a time in which I did have all of that free time with less things to physically do. Um, Did I do it? No. And I would argue that we're probably amongst the majority of the population who had more time and filled it um, with uh, less useful um, endeavors. I know that um, I did get considerably better at my farming game. I'm telling you what, if the um, <laughs> if the pandemic were to um, you know uh, level us to the point where some where there was some sort of digital farming that could actually produce food, I'd be the guy to go to. Just just so you right. know, and I, you you right. would be on my you'd, short you'd list. Be, you'd be the corporate overlord. Uh, you with you know with all your minions picking your oh. or your digital crops. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, because you do, you have to have a knowledge of, like, the timing crops. And you know what? It's so funny um, to me um, because I I have played it to such a degree that I was at the grocery store the other day, and I was buying lemons, and there were, like, tons of lemons, and they were, like, 28 cents a piece. And um, I was like, you know, everyone I know who has a lemon tree always has, like, tons of extra lemons, has too many lemons. And I bet if they played the farming game, they'd know that <laughs> there are certain other crops that they should be planting. Um, just because lemons grow fast, it doesn't mean that you should be growing a bunch of lemons. And, um, right. you, you know, like like maybe they mixed it up, threw in, like, you know, some grapes or something like that. It's true. Grapes do take a little bit longer. But you know what? When you take them to market, they're worth so much more money. Uh, right. And then, you know, yeah, that if, if, if only everyone in their backyard had nothing but room. Right, because right, right. to be fair, one tree doesn't take up that much room, but a vine of grapes takes up far more room to produce enough grapes. Um, excuse me, you're talking to a professional here. I, we we don't need we, I need to hear your your real world knowledge <laughs> of farming. I all I know is that in in my world, a, uh, a as a matter of fact, a lemon tree takes up more space than a grape hedge does. 
So, so I don't know. Well, what right, but how, but how much tonnage does it prove? Does it does it provide per per acre? That's the question. Um, it, it's not done in acres; it's per plant. So I get about. I think it's five grapes per uh, plant and three lemons per um, lemon tree. But the lemon tree takes six hours, and the grapes take like three hours. So I get more. So grapes. very. So this is so this is very real worldy. This, this exactly. Problem. Well, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, and it it no joke, dude. Um. Well, you. Here's the thing. No joke. This is serious. I'm being serious now. No, this this is serious. That I might have um, accumulated almost twenty five million fake dollars on this case. <laughs> right. Right. I was thinking about this. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard of anyone gaining $25 million on anything, on any game. Yeah, 25 million coins. I don't know of any single video game player of any single video game who um, has twenty has earned 25 million points of anything. So, um, I, I, I neither do I, but you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a gamer as it is, nor am I a farmer. Now, now that's kind of more of things that you didn't plan on. I, I assume did not plan on happening that did happen. But what are, what are, what are some things that maybe you thought you were going to do that you didn't? Well, like I said, I did have the, um, uh, the, the goal of getting in shape just like you did. I also sure, had, sure. um, let's see, I had, Really good tickets to a number of different shows. I had tickets to see um, Fallout Boy and Green Day and Weezer that were um, that were really quite good. Uh, you and I had talked about doing our first live podcast from seeing the Black Crows, which did not happen. Yeah, I had tickets for um, Fish that once again did not occur. That was going to involve a road trip down to um, Bend, Oregon again for the opening of. Um, of the summer now, tour. Is it down to or up to? Uh, it's up to. It's up to. It's true. For some, I don't know why. Maybe it's because most of the road trips that I've done have I've gone down to to uh, Southern California, and maybe that's the why why I just always. I mean, really, we, we we use these words down and up as if we're actually it's 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 an, it's, it's north is up and south is down, but in the grand scheme of things out in the universe we don't even know which side which is up anyway right so maybe maybe north is actually down ah yeah it's just how we look at it on a map eventually if you go south far enough you go north that's true well you know what it is interesting that it definitely i did end up going to portland to go visit uh, my my sister and my brother-in-law and it definitely feels like you're going down on the ride home on the ride back from Portland, I, I had the sense of the trajectory of going down or south. I don't know if I just knew it or or if the I, I don't know. That's probably part by the by that's probably partly elevation by the because you got to go over the Cascade Mountains. Ah, yeah. Well, that that would make sense then. I don't yeah. know that I noticed it on the drive up so much, but I definitely noticed it on the way down. Or you yeah, sensed it, if you will. Yeah, sensed it, if I will. Yes, indeed. And I and I will. Um, I did not. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, it's hard for me to say other concrete things that I did not do other than I just, uh, you know, as with everybody, I, I miss, like you said, as far as missing out on visiting friends, missing out on visiting family. I think I went good, I want to say, a couple of months without seeing my, my folks. Um, 
just because, you know, at the very beginning when nobody was sure of anything, I've, we have since, you know, been following rules and been able to, uh, been able to see each other. But yeah, it's been, it's, it's been weird. And I, I, you know, hesitate to predict what's going on next. Probably by the time, um, people hear this, by the time everyone hears this, um, what, whatever happens in Florida, t- uh, tomorrow will have happened. And uh, whatever happens with regard to the Electoral College will have happened. And Florida or Georgia? Do you mean Georgia? Do you mean Georgia? Did I say Florida? You know what? I, I you know what? Doggone it! I was listening to an OPP, other person's podcast, a fiasco that was all about the uh, Florida recount just yesterday. And uh, that's, that's not a great excuse or a great reason because I've read so much about Georgia as of late, also. But I think that's why I. Um, right. Well, they're both in, they're both in the South, and they're both. You know, um, it seems like some hijinks are going on in both places. Uh, right, right. But hijinks go on everywhere. We like to we like to say, but who knows? There's always some. Uh, it's a degree of hijinks. Right. I I, I like hijinks. Um, right. Do you like the word hijinks, or you enjoy hijinks in general? I like the word hijinks. It's a fun word. Is it? It's it almost. It's almost, I feel, like an onomatopoeia, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not. Like bang it makes a bang sound or hum is a hum sound. But hijinks is not really like when something shady happens or, or mischievous happens. We call them hijinks. So it's not really – it doesn't make a noise. It just feels like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I don't know. And there's something about uh... – it reminds me of like the Cheshire Cat too. He would engage in hijinks. That's the sort of. It was a funny, I was about to say it seems almost feline. The yeah, word yeah, hijinks. Yeah, yeah it, you. It, it's there's something in, in here. We both thought it. I was about to say it that you that you said that. Interesting. Very. Good. What what about what what about um? Is there anything that you did that uh was not planned? Anything that I did that was not planned. Like, and so there were things that you planned to do that didn't do, and then there's things that just got done, like you became uh, a very successful digital farmer. Um, That's true. That's true. Who would have predicted that? That, that, would, that was not planned. So that would be one, you know. Uh, one of mine is that uh, I became a bit of a home daycare provider. Uh, that was not planned. And one of the things that was planned that did happen is we had a baby. Right. We knew that was – we suspected that was going to happen, and then the shutdown happened, and then she continued to be healthy, and then we had a baby. So, you know, uh, but, yeah, so that happened. And then as such – but then even in part, as part of part of the quarantine, we became become a bit of a home daycare provider, which was definitely not planned. And um, and it become one of those telecommuters. That was not planned either. Wait, become what? I'm sorry? I, a telecommuter. Instead of becoming a commuter – um, the ants marching. I'm the telecommuter. I can work from home, which who knows how long, how much longer that's going to last, or what their permanent plan is for us. Right. I mixed yeah. emotions. I mixed emotions about it. I know you as an educator, it's more problematic to do it remotely. But for what I do, I, I there are elements of the commute that I miss, elements of being in the office that I miss, but uh, I think. I think it's fair to say that back to like people not being as creative or not getting in as good a shape. There was just too much. It's not that you just had the time and didn't use it, but there was too much disruption in mm-hmm. general. It's it's not like you suddenly just got to stay home, which would have been a disruption. 
but there was stressors all around you, like the un- the unknown. It's it's not maybe it's emotionally healthy to say control the things that you control and and let go of things that you cannot. But it's understandable and relatable that people be like, uh, do I really want to go for a jog or do push-ups right now? Or, you know, I, I think I'm going to go to the refrigerator and get another, you know, snack. Because, you know, they're, they're, they both provide their own set of warmth and comfort. Right. Well, I, I also think, though, that there's a degree of just waiting for equilibrium to set in. And it really felt like... It would. It's almost over. It's almost over. Things are going to go back to normal. You know. Oh yeah, uh, that, that's that's the other truth too. Like not knowing which direction it was going to go. How can you just? How can you comfortably develop a routine when you don't know how long you're going to be able to engage in that routine? Hmm. Right? right. Whether whether it was going to go back to normal and now your new routine is disrupted, or if it was going to suddenly get worse and you. Like, for example, like, there was a period of time when, you know, Cormac was in daycare, and then he wouldn't be in daycare, and then he'd be back in daycare, and then we'd have to bring him home again. And that that factor alone can disrupt, while you're working, any plan you have that day. Yeah, sure, I'm going to I'm gonna write a short story, and then, and then suddenly I'm chasing a two-year-old around the house, right? No, no way. Not going to happen. Let alone but- I'm going to go for a jog or whatever. Right, and how many resources or how much energy are you going to devote to, um, like, bending into that new reality when that new reality may only be that reality for a week or two weeks or right. six months? Or six months, right. Or and, and which way is it going to go? Like, is it going to go back to going to work or is it going to take some other turn? And it just it doesn't didn't necessarily feel fun. But anyway, like I said, uh, we said this before. Feels much. It feels much more promising than, mm-hmm. than it did than it did just a couple months ago. Well, you know what else is promising too? Us uh, having planned things to talk about. And one of the things that I know that we planned to talk about was um, the film Bombshell. That was one of the things that we um, had on our agenda the last time that we talked. And yep. um, I have to say that I thought it was incredible. I thought it was really good, and I didn't. I waited until um, after I'd seen it to look at any reviews for it, any sort of criticism, and I was a little surprised that it was not as beloved as I would have assumed that it would have been. I thought it had some re- – obviously, performances were remarkable. I thought, um, like, everybody was remarkable in it. The, the, um, there, was, there was a couple Oscar nominations in the performances. Yeah, I, I did hear that, and, it, um, and I can't remember. I think it was um, – all of a sudden, I'm blanking. John Lithgow got one of them, and also the character who played the um, uh, the she's she uh, Margot Robbie was Margot Robbie the other one, right? Yeah, right. and she she is like a combination of real people because it took me a little while um, to figure out, figure out that she was a combination of people because I was like I recognize who everybody practically on the screen is supposed to be playing, but I don't know this character's name. And so I wasn't sure if it was a combination of people or if maybe she just never made it, but she was part of the um, lawsuit. And so that's why. They right. No, it was, a, it was a, it was a combination or, or it was a fictionalized account of multiple stories. Right. Yeah. Real, I, I, real thought, story. 
I lo- I felt like it was made for me. I I, I thought it was really really uh, fantastically well done. Obviously, John Lithgow's makeup was just extraordinary. Well, it, it, it won an Oscar for makeup. Oh, it yeah, got okay, a nominee yeah. for uh, Charlie Theron. It got a nominee for Margot Robbie. Um, and those were the nominations for, oh, for okay, Oscar. Okay. So, so Lithgow didn't get an acting nominee. Okay. Because I thought he, right. was, he was really great. You know, one of the criticisms that I read – well, there were a couple of different interesting criticisms, but that I felt like they played into the strengths of the film. One of them was that it was – too um, easy on Fox News um, yep. politically, and I felt like, like as it was, it was going to alienate anyone who was a Fox News fan in the first place. So I felt like by playing it to playing it a little bit tighter as far as not being a criticism of Fox News, like ideologically, it made sense. I thought it was really that that, that I had no problem with that, and I thought that it played less like or it was meant to play less like just straight up history and more like metaphor for the work environment metaphor for a toxic work environment and so i thought that i thought that was strong i thought that the way in which megan kelly was portrayed i thought it was really good too i didn't think like it was interesting because – and, you know, one of the things that I didn't read anywhere that I noticed was, especially it, it dawned on me immediately when they were all in the elevator together, they were all playing the same type of character at different stages in her career, all three of them. Sure. And right. that I felt like that, that parallel w- – and throughout, that's exactly what they were trying to do, and I thought they did a really good job of it. And, you know, what's weird about that – is I don't. It's really none of our business, so to speak. But I mean, I'm sure. It, I'm sure the question was out there. Did at, did every female journalist have to go through this at Fox News, or only the young ones? Yeah, you know, it. it that is an interesting question, and it's interesting to what extent that this it this behavior may have been prevalent, you know, in, in all sorts of places. And maybe maybe even the backlash was partially because of the um, political uh, tint of the show. Well, also, r- remember in uh, – is it – shoot, I can't remember the character that Nicole Kidman played, um, what her name is, although she was a real person. She was from Fox and Friends, um, that she initially Gretchen. got fired. What's that? Gretchen – Gretchen something, whatever the hell her name was. The real yeah, person. I, I don't watch Fox right, News. Right. For some reason, I want to say Gretchen Carlson, but I think I'm mixing her up with Tucker Carlson. I think you're right, actually. Okay, yeah, I think you're okay. right. Okay. That, well, that was why I hesitated. But um, I was going to say that, um, you know, she ends up getting fired for political reasons, fundamentally, because she won't play the game. So it may be that there's a degree of of politics associated with, the fact that Roger Ailes finally did get brought down. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was remarkably good. I thought the acting was good. I thought, oh, I was going to say also about um, Megyn Kelly, is I thought they did a good job of having her be vaguely sympathetic, but also come to an understanding of how her silence played a role in the continuation. And it didn't make her a 100% hero. It didn't make her a 100% victim. It didn't make her a 100% any number of things. You know, I, I just thought that it, that she was a very 
Um, it didn't. It, did, it certainly didn't absolve her of her role and um, any culpability she may have for, for what was going on. I'm sure that's but a better way. Yeah. Right, but it but it didn't. It did. You know, it didn't absolve her of any possible wrongs that she committed. But it didn't also paint her as um, as a victim or as or certainly probably she wasn't signed up on it as weak either. Mm. Uh, and right. not to say that she is, because she's clearly not. But, I, you know, what, it reminded me kind of of the movie Spotlight, um, the movie that about the the Boston Globe um, discovering all the, the widespread uh, child abuse within the Catholic Church. Okay, I, I have not and seen the, Spotlight. Yeah, it was just in so in so far as because the the, the nature the nature of the abuse was, is um, you know has a sexual component and also and the power play on it you know victim, the, the victimizing of people in, in in less with less power, but also to the degree to which I mean this story focused on Fox News but it wasn't exclusive this kind of stuff wasn't exclusive to Fox News mm-hmm. right. Right. Oh, yeah. And it, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I heard a, I heard a stat uh, recently where it said if you're at, if you're out to dinner with four people, chances are at least one of the people at that table has been a victim of sexual abuse. And that is, uh, I'm sorry to go heavy. That that's shocking and astounding to me. Because certainly, um, certainly, certainly that I, I doubt that th- that the same number of people are the perpetrators. I don't know. I know I'm not right, but you yeah. know, the, the, I, you know, in other words, the people that are committing the the heinous acts are just doing it everywhere. And you know, you know, you start to wonder what you know. I'm hell. I, I want the world to be a better place. I don't want this kind of world for anybody, right? And, right. Um, you know, you're sort of glad he's taken down and really hope that it stops happening, you know, right. in well, any way. That is my understanding of the data with regard to this sort of behavior is that it is the behavior of, of a serial individuals. You know what I mean? That it's not something that someone just does once to one person. That it that it continues, and that's why those numbers exist in the way that they do. Um, and that there there's a small number of perpetrators, but that they're do you know just. And again, when when I say with regard to these behaviors, I'm talking about uh, child predators and, and the such as well. Speaking of serial behavior, one of the other things that we had this I know, I know that's a hard pivot. But um, I just uh, one of the hard, other things. Uh, yes, that's, that's yes, a hard, that's a hardcore pivot, maybe. Right, right, right. Well, well, I I don't mean to make light of it because because once again I want to reiterate that I I thought Bombshell was a a ridiculously good movie. I I thought it was uh, I would have to argue practically flawless. So I don't, I don't want to make light of either it or its subject matter. But I know that one of the things one of the other things that we had suggested talking about was um, Frank Sinatra and his uh, Swingin' Songs for Lovers album, especially in light of however many podcasts back we've done that in the wee small hours. And, yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's well, not such it, a hard pivot when you think about it, because, I mean, given the area he was from, there's a certain degree of misogyny in his reputation. So. Uh, well, that's that, – okay, well, then that's I, – I, I will accept your, your – 
your bridge to <laughs> between the two. And um, I will I will have to go out on on a limb and say that I thought this album was absolutely delightful. Um, it was it was a remarkable human achievement. I know that you have a little bit more knowledge of Frank Sinatra than I do, but I have to admit this is only the second Frank Sinatra album that I've ever listened to. And um, I was really, really personally struck by how tight it was in terms of compositionally and arrangements. Like the, that band that's behind him is tight as nails. But then the it, degree it's to really which something that when you think about it, like compared to what it takes to be a, a rock musician today, you know, uh, three chords and an attitude versus what it took to become a professional musician, say seven years ago, <laughs> right? Right. No, it's it, I mean, it is like, stunning. Right. It, it it was a it was a craft. Um, you know, you 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 were a craftsperson of a type back then to to become that good. Yeah, and then oh, yeah. as well as someone 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 wrote them, you know, someone arranged it. There was secret. right. Yeah, it's, no, four, it's four guys. There wasn't four guys looking at each other. Absolutely, well, it, it's utterly meticulous. And the guy who did the arrangement is kind of. Uh, credit. I don't know his name because I, I don't have that in my memory banks, but um, is, is kind of uh, um, credited as being like it's it's a Frank Sinatra slash this person album. But like it, the performances are meticulous. But the thing that I found so fascinating about it is, of course, it's called, you know, Swingin' Songs. And it's amazing how tight they are and how loose he is as a performer. The fact that he is able to just bounce in there and bounce around with his inflections and, um, you know, the silly words that he uses and all that sort of thing, it, it, it was a remarkable human achievement. I'm, I'm going to go, like I said, go out on a limb and suggest that Frank Sinatra is, you know, a pretty pretty impressive cat, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I think um, there's – I think part part of what you're recognizing is the way his, his sort of lofty bounce in there is actually – tighter than you realize more it's not as relaxed as it seems which speaks to his 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 own abilities as a performer because i'm because i'm sure he was as meticulous as the rest it's well part of his put on that's absolutely true i don't know if, if this this image will totally um um make sense but i felt like um it it was almost like he was in say a really really tight bounce house and that he was able to bounce around within the confines of those meticulous arrangements. So, so my implication isn't that he was like all over the place, merely that within no, no, the confines no, no, that no, were established. No, no, no. Yeah. No, okay. No, I, I, no, I, that's not what, that's not what I was understanding you to say. It, it, okay, it, good. Yeah. No, I just didn't want to imply casual. Well, these musicians were, you know, it's very, very, tightly put together, well-produced. Everyone hit the notes exactly when they're supposed to hit the notes to the right tone that they're supposed to hit it to. Um, there were no mistakes, and yet his approach seemed very comfortable, whereas the arrangements were less so. But I, I would argue that that's the point of his crooner. That's crooner. That's what they're supposed to sound like. That's part of the genre. Right. Well, it, it felt like... It, it felt like a perfect album to me. And I know, like I said, my musical vocabulary with regard to this style um, is very, very limited. So so I don't know how much, you know, credibility I have in saying that. But I, I think one of the other things that I feel like I possibly have going for me in this evaluation 
Because you know how most art, like as it ages, it's harder to tell how great it is because you've listened to the things that have come after it. And so you compare it against things that have come after it. Same thing with like movies. Like, you know, seeing Pulp Fiction for the first time is very, very different or was very, very different for you and I than it would be someone seeing it today because that person had already seen whatever other sorts of films it it was. In fact, I was was talking to my son about this and it was funny because he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like The Sopranos. When I see The Sopranos, it's not it's really not that impressive and that's because you know i've seen you know breaking bad and ozark and i can't remember the other movie or tv show that he mentioned i was like whoa oh it's better call Saul. And i was like whoa <laughs> he just put the frown on the sopranos but 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 i guess right. that that he's, but fine he's listing everything out of he's listing everything out of order because he's seeing the things that are the most current i i can't appreciate this old thing because of this new thing Right, right. Well, no, and, and he was he was he was not saying that the Sopranos was was without merit. He was just identifying his own experience, suggesting that it's right. more difficult to. Yeah, yeah. And and I feel like I don't have that with regard to Frank Sinatra because my it's my familiarity. It's interesting that you put it that way because to be honest, one of the problems I had with the album in general is that I can I in some form or another form, passion, or what have you, I can sort of project, I can't know, but I can project what it was like um, for someone hearing, say, like, Led Zeppelin or the Beatles for the first time and the excitement they might have felt. Mm-hmm. And and that's not necessarily because I can, but because, you know, it's rock music and I like rock music and I like that music. But I cannot imagine in any world hearing Frank Sinatra and being that ex- as excited as people must have been back then to hear it. You know what? what I'm saying? I do, I do. And it's funny because I, I kind of had those thoughts as well. In fact, I, it, it's amazing how many times I visualized what it would be like to put the record on the record player and turn that on. Wow. And for some reason, this, this felt extremely like a cooking dinner <laughs> album to me. Exactly. With regards to the cooking dinner, it's, you know, I can't think of anything else other than sort of background music or mood music. I don't think of it as something that it's not something that I didn't enjoy, but it didn't necessarily inspire me. If if you follow. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I certainly follow. See, it's, it's interesting because I had two sets of experiences with regard to it. One worked as background music and me thinking, like I said, as far as the cooking of the dinner, but also when I was driving, I was listening to it a little bit more specifically, like I said, and listening to the meticulousness of the arrangements. Um, I, I, I was just – I was very, very moved by the entire um, orchestration of it and the genius of, of the entire thing. It, did, you um, any, it, did you have any favorite tracks? Um, yeah, you know, um, of course, making Whoopi so funny because it's so different from – the um you know the the only version that I'm familiar with, which is the um you know Madonna version I think from Dick Tracy, that that what what that's from, and so that that was really intriguing to um. To did, hear. did you note any of the lyrics being sort of sort of sexist in nature? Um yeah well you know I I obviously you know I wasn't trying to think about it in those terms I was trying to think about it as as um <laughs> the old ways. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because right. I mean, really, the theme is is like you see, you see him, you see him, presumably him being the husband, you know, uh, engaging in household tasks like you know, 
ironing clothes and washing baby clothes and doing dishes and doing all this because, you know, he wants to make whoopee. You know? Right. And, Obviously. Yeah, he, he, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I, I, I could, I could read between the lines on that one. Right. That was like, uh, man, it was a different time, wasn't it? Right. Well, it certainly was. Obviously, you make me feel so young. I think that's the only one that I knew already and was familiar with, as in his version of it. Um, and the um, uh, I like the song that closes it out. Uh, the How about you? Um, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the um, the wordplay on that as well. And the um, I've got you under my skin was was really awesome too. I don't know if notice know if you noticed, but like midway through, there's this. Um, you know, it 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 gets a lot of crescendo. That's that's pretty pretty neat, and apparently was like the focal point of the album when it definitely came out. And that's what that was one of those things that I heard a couple of times and didn't register until I read about it. And then I was like, wow, you know, that that really is pretty amazing. Um, and so um, every once in a while, a little bit of bit of research does does um, increase your enjoyment of entertainment. Or one's enjoyment of entertainment. I was um, the other thing that I'll say about it too was it made me think about um, other music that may have been around at the same time because of course your ear would be different about that. But an artist that you and I are both uh, considerably more familiar with would have been is of course Elvis Presley, who I think would have been a contemporary of Frank Sinatra's. And um, it made me kind of curious to go revisit some Elvis Presley, just knowing how sparse. Elvis Presley, and and in today's compared to, well, my, of course, today is a totally different thing, but according to my understanding of contemporary, say, um, rock music, I would argue that um, that a lot of Elvis Presley's stuff is pretty ornamental, but compared to this Sinatra album, it's, you know, super sparse, and I could see why there would be an old person revolt against um, that rebel Elvis Presley if you were accustomed to a piece such as this Frank Sinatra album. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, it, it, through that lens, Elvis, the early Elvis was the uh, you know punk rock of his time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh no, I, I definitely, I, I could, I can see where that would be coming from. Like, I, and so it was just, I think it listening to this and thinking about it in that way helped to enrich my my entire understanding of the development of music at that time, which is which is quite a bit to say for one album, dude. Yeah. Well, it's also because you chose to engage in it. That's you know, true. I, I would say. I would say. That's you you listened to it and then you were inspired to do the research or you knew that we were going to talk about it so you did a little bit of research? Um, I knew that we were going to talk about it since we're working from a list. Um, I was I was intrigued about it. I also went back and listened to the We Small Hours, all you know, uh, kind of in conjunction just to get a feel. And it is pretty pretty amazing that two albums that are and that same producer and uh, arranger worked with him for both albums. Um, it's it's a pretty amazing uh, separate output. And I think that these were like amongst his first two full on conceptual albums, like where where it was all out, you know, a full album rather than uh, singles or individual releases. Amongst this first four or something like that. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So as far so so we're we're getting to the end here, and I know we'd like to give give a little little tease of what's to come next. Um, in terms of viewing, were you able to line up one of those uh, Disney Plus passes? I was. I was. Oh able, really? We we, we we decided to pull the trigger and 
just spend the seven dollars a month, uh, whopping, you know, big spender, <laughs> dude. I know, and um, and so I think I'm gonna watch Soul, and I know you Soul. have. I have, and I have. So but I, I think I think we can probably talk in, in greater detail. You, you know, I love it, and um, I I have indeed seen it, and um, I would love to talk about it because, in fact, I'm gonna. Lay. I'm not gonna. I, I'm not even gonna talk to you off pod about it until until the pod begins. Um, and so, not only are we gonna leave our listeners uh, in the lurch, but I'm gonna leave you, Mr. Jimbo, in the lurch as well. Until, until now, is, <laughs> I, I actually never looked up the definition. I don't think of lurch as suspense. Is that what it means? I believe I, I believe so because I think to lurch towards something it's it, it is kind of like um, and I think it's one of the reasons why the character Lurch from Adam's family is is uh, is named as such because I think that if you think about if you think about the way that uh, Frankenstein is traditionally described to have, have moved or portrayed as moving that's that's a lurching sort of thing with kind of like an arched back and arms and it's almost as if you are about to do something so if you're in the lurch you're waiting to I, I believe I, by the way we have not talked about this ahead of time this is just coming off the top of my head so I may be absolutely uh, full of baloney but that's that is the the way that I read that implication uh, I, I just looked it up because we live in the information age and oh. it really usually means to leave someone without help or protection. So thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, okay. I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm utterly I'm utterly powerless against this movie Soul. I guess I guess and, this is just an example of the types of hijinks that I engage in. <laughs> okay. Well, until next week. <laughs> All right, Jimbo. You have we'll a great week, man. You too. Bye bye. All right. See ya. I've got you under my skin I've got you deep in the heart of me So deep in my heart that you're really a part of me I've got you You still there? I'm still here Okay, hold on, I'm moving my spot. The lady parked next to me and then couldn't get into her car, and so now I have to move. Even though she parked next to you. Right, but she had she parked next to me after. So I just finished grocery shopping and was still sitting there, but she parked next to me after while I was in the grocery store. Follow what I mean? Right, but that's her fucking fault. I, I mean, I know you're I know you're just making it easy, but that kind of shit bothers me. Like, fuck you, right. bitch. Right. Park the right way. What if you weren't there? Right. Right? Okay. Fucking live your life, bitch. Do it the right way. You're grown up. <laughs> grown up. Hold the phone up. <laughs> I've already moved away. Jesus. So. Nonetheless, uh, I can't remember the word that you were just saying. I don't either. So fucking bitch ruined our fucking podcast because she doesn't know how to fucking park or drive. Someone wipe my butt in public for me, please. I'm confused. Was she old? 
<laughs> I don't know what her age was. It was indeterminate. Well, that, that means that means she wasn't senile, so fuck her. 